Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. the Democracy Issue podcast about the 2020 election. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody-Mills. And we are New Yorkers who love Baltimore. Yes. I went to school outside of, uh, in the DMV, let's say, in mm-hmm. the DMV. Baltimore was Where? always in, I went to school in Arlington, Virginia, but just, you know, 45 minutes away from Baltimore, frequented there, the Inner Harbor, all the good things. Didn't come across infestations, <laughs> rodents, rats, rats, Look, or know. people screaming at me and saying, my life is terrible. <laughs> I'm only waiting for a white savior with a long red tie to come and save me from my hopelessness. Didn't come across that in my Didn't time. Didn't find that. I spent a long week there uh, after the uprising. After Freddie mm. Gray's killing, covering uh, that for MSNBC. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I saw the whole city, and it's a microcosm of America. Mm-hmm. There's some rough ghettos that are going through some tough times. Totally. And some beautiful areas, just like America. And Trump tries to lay the problems on, like, the character of the people. Like, if you're mm-hmm. black, you can't run a city. And doesn't deal with the war on drugs, gentrification, institutional racism. We were in uh, an area near Pennsylvania... And I remember the store had, like, no fruit and vegetable. And I asked the sister, wow. where do you go for fruits and vegetables? And she was like, well, um, if you take, like, two buses Mm-mm. and, like, just what impact is that going to have on people over time? That's not the problem of the people in the community. No, it's a problem of the system that the community is half has had to deal with for quite some time. And I think that what Donald Trump to me represents in the in the conversations, and I, I won't say conversations, in the tweets that he sends mm. out, is this complete and total disconnect with which he, right, the wealthy white class, have affected communities like yes. Baltimore. Yes. And they take no responsibility for it because like you said, it is always about if you are poor, if you are in an area that isn't that isn't affluent, that is your problem. Yep. And we have made this false equivocation between wealth meaning that you are good, yeah, and poverty meaning that you are bad. Yeah. 
And that is what Trump indicated in his series of racist tweets is that those black people down there, they are dirty, they are infested, it is rodents, and it's because they are lazy. Yes. They are uneducated and they are bad. It's their character Mm -hmm. is the reason why they're suffering, not the institutional forces around them. So I just wanted to get that off our plate because Mm -hmm. that is incredibly triggering and angering. But we're here to talk about the debate, which lasted for three or four hours. 17. But mm -hmm. watching. Um, But I thought it was a pretty extraordinary night for uh, Elizabeth Warren. I I think super impressed by her. You know, I and I say this every single time. Elizabeth Warren has been on an upswing since her announcement. Mm -hmm. There is not a time that I have seen Elizabeth Warren in these debates in our conversations in her town halls where she is not clear Mm. she is not showing herself to be a fighter to like she has the same conversations regardless of the groups that she's in which always resonates with me Mm -hmm. so she's gonna talk about black people even if it's a room Mm -hmm. of white people Mm -hmm. she's going to talk about relieving student debt even if it's in a room of older people she doesn't switch characters to fit the scene mm-hmm. and that's why she's a politician that i can i can get behind in this moment one of the things that i was really excited to notice that liz's narrative consistently since she became a big national figure is that the system is rigged against the average person. Mm -hmm. And tonight she began to really tie that to Donald Trump, that he is the perfect opponent for her Mm -hmm. because he is the embodiment of the opposite of what she's been talking about. I am here for the average worker. I am the consumer protection person. I am here to say the system is rigged and we're going to change it. And he is the fat cat who's been fighting against it. If she was fighting against some Republican who was an elected official who could say, you know, I'm a man of the people, that would be entirely different. But this is the perfect foil for her narrative that she's been running for years now. So they would be, and you know, also to see what she said about nuclear weapons was really powerful, that we would be stronger and safer by telling the world we're not going to use them. Yep. Which would totally pull the chair out from under Trump because, of course, he would say, no, of course. We, we need could to blow ne- up everything. Yeah, we could never take the option off the table. She's like, no, taking it off the table is better for us. And you know what I think that that shows, too? And, and maybe this is something that patriarchy is actually really afraid of, is the difference between how women and men will actually lead mm. in the United States of America. That, con- that, that talking point that she provided was the clarity that we have not had. We have moved away from putting men and women on the ground and we're going to do drone strikes, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. We're going to do drone strikes. This means that we're going to eliminate the amount of American lives that can be lost. We're going to be a little bit more strategic and and surgical in our execution. But at the same time, do we need it? Mm -hmm. This is the question that I, I think as a woman that men in leadership do not ask. Mm-hmm. It's how big is our missile, which is what Donald Trump did when he was on the debate stage, yep, right? Yep. And what he did in his Twitter war with King Jong Un before they fell in love mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. how Beautiful big letters. is our, how big is my missile? Mm-hmm. How big is my army? Mm-hmm. And it is about ego. Elizabeth Warren presented something that was different that I believe is what a woman in charge of the United States military would be offering. Mm-hmm. Do we need to? What happens if instead we take the high road? Instead we say, we don't need 
these nuclear weapons. And as a matter of fact, this is not about me dictating to you what you should do with your uranium. It's me telling you what we're going to do with ours. Right. And, and you know, the beauty of a civilian who does not aspire to actually be in the military running the military, right? Mm-hmm. And saying, hey, let's put the hammer down rather than holding it and looking for a nail. I also love the way she kind of destroyed John Delaney, which was not that hard. To do. But he's talking about what we can't do. And she's saying, why are you running for office to talk about what you can't do? And it reminded me of the progressive spirit, which is about we can make big changes. We can change structural things. We can get women the vote. We can get health care. We can get black people involved in this country. We can do big things. Mm-hmm. We can put a man on the moon. That's what being progressive is about. Conservatism is so often about we can't. We must go back to the past. We must maintain the status and quo. And moderation is about taking small incremental steps and shouldn't we cheer for that shouldn't i go to my child's fifth grade graduation to sixth grade and give them a medal for that (laughs) that is delaney right no i actually don't i think that we should look at the whole big picture and if you get through all 12 grades then my god let's us throw you a party this idea of moderation in the in the age of extremism Mm. is exactly what is wrong with the politicians that we have right now. Mm -hmm. They have to understand, and I believe that Elizabeth Warren does, and it's not an endorsement, but it's an acknowledgement that she is a person that recognizes the moment that we are in, and that moderation is not going to stop the bleeding that Donald Trump and the Republican Party has began. Yep. That we are going to need something that is bigger, something that is bolder than what he wants to offer. And so when when everyone, and and I think, and you're going to get there, Buttigieg, right? Look, yes, he keeps reminding us that he's young. But at the same same time, he's also reminding me, in the time that he's reminding me that he's young, that the people that have come before him failed. The generation that is currently struggling that he represents. And he's saying, so you're telling me that we need to pin our hopes and dreams on octanagerians right like that's what we're gonna do you mean that in order for us to move forward we need to go backwards how is that logical when pete talks i think he's smart mm-hmm. i think he's alpha i think that he is deeply composed i feel a wisdom and an experience and i loved him for talking about big structural changes that he wants to try the mm-hmm. electoral college dc statehood um, you know, a- amending the Constitution to get rid of Citizens, citizens United. Big ideas, again, back to the notion of being a progressive is about mm-hmm. trying to make big positive changes and not just settling for moderation. I loved him for that. I loved him for a lot of things. Um, he needed a breakout moment. We all know that he needed a breakout moment. He has fallen from national praise yeah. over the past several weeks. The shooting that happened in South Bend knocked him off of the pedestal that America had put him on. And this was his moment. I don't know if it was enough. Right. I don't I, on, honestly, enough. I don't know if it was enough to get you from 5% into double digits. Right. I don't, I don't think so. Right. But I do think that what he did was make a very big distinction in asking America, who do you want? Mm-hmm. What do you want? Mm-hmm. Because in order to move forward, you can't move backwards. Right. What do you want? Do you want big ideas or somebody that's saying to you, and the shots were to Joe Biden, that, oh, we can, I can bring you back to yesteryear because yesteryear was so good. 
I appreciated, Pete, a message that all Democrats need to hear and take to heart. Uh, time to stop worrying about the, what the Republicans will say. If we say something reasonable, they'll say we're socialist. If we say something socialist, they'll say we're socialist. They are arguing against the imaginary left, mm -hmm. which is all about socialism and Sharia law mm -hmm. and trans bathrooms for everybody. And that's not what we're really about, right? They, they, they caricature our position. So don't tailor what we want to say and the positions that we want to take worrying about what they're going to say, which means worrying about what the middle is going to do. So now we're chasing after the shrinking, soggy middle rather than trying to serve progressives. That's what I want to see us do this time. I also loved, I want to go back, because I loved Liz so much tonight. She was so great, talking about white supremacy as domestic terrorism. Mm. And that's something that you and I know mm. and agree, but we don't always hear our white politicians mm -hmm. say it out loud on big stages. And Liz Warren is the sort of person who's going to come out there and talk about that. And I love her for that. And it makes me feel like I'm going to have somebody who might protect us. In let the me White ask House. you something. Do you think that that narrative, while it resonates with us and that's who it was meant to resonate with? Yeah. Do you think that it resonates with the white suburban woman who apparently everyone is after? Right. Everyone is after their vote. There was an article today where white suburban women, the polling is showing that Trump is turning them off with his racist rhetoric. It's too divisive. It's too much. Single women or married women? I don't think they made the distinction. Big, there's a big distinction. There is a big distinction, who, but who I actually don't think that this article made the distinction right. in that. Single women typically go for Democrats and married and women. And married women go with their husbands. Uh, <laughs> right. Married, for, married for straight women, let me say <laughs> yes, that. Because yes, yes, I, yes. like, I like 100%. to make the distinction that ain't all women straight. <laughs> anyway, um, but I think that what was interesting to me is always this push and this idea oh, Trump needs to watch what he's doing or Democrats need to watch what he's doing because these suburban women, mm. and I said, you know, they're they're using suburban as code for white. Of course. I grew up in the suburbs of Long Island. Right, in Boston, suburbs of right? Boston. Right, yep. so, and we're black. Yep. So let us not play to that, this whole idea of the rural. No, no, no. Right, no, is no. also all white. No, it's not. Um, but I, I, I think that her bringing up white supremacy is incredibly important because we need a leader that is not going to be afraid to deal with what is in front of them that every single other politician hasn't dealt with. Mm -hmm. Barack Obama wasn't in a position as the first African-American president. While he did say just enough, he couldn't bring us over the line. Sure, sure. Right? Because then he would, quote unquote, alienate. Mm-hmm. White folks. I mean, you know, every election is supposed to be about suburban white women. Mm -hmm. Right? It was soccer moms once, and then it was security moms. Then it was hockey moms. Right, ho Sarah right, Taylor. right, hockey. Right. So, it, uh, you know, one thing that I loved reading earlier today was a report by Steve Kornacki, my old friend, mm -hmm. who talked about uh, Democratic exit polls back to 76. Mm -hmm. Since 1992, every Democratic presidential nominee has gotten a significant, an overwhelming portion of the black vote within mm -hmm. the Democratic Party, over 70%. Clinton, everybody after that. So, yeah, suburban white women, great. But <laughs> if you are not serving black people, if a large swath of black people are not behind you, this nomination is hard to get. 
And when Liz Warren is taking us seriously and talking about that, talking about $50 billion for HBCUs, Mm -hmm. talking about closing the racial wealth gap, Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I feel seen. I feel heard. I feel important to you. I also feel important to Bernie, even though he doesn't show his love in the same way. He yells because he loves. (laughs) That's a cute thing to say, Toure. That Bernie yells because he loves. Bernie yells because he is a white Mm. man and he can. Right? Because I would argue that there are women, there are women of color, there are white women politicians that are just as quote unquote passionate as Bernie Sanders, but they don't have the 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 range to be able to do that without other people knocking them down and saying that they're shrill. Well, he, he that they're angry. He is shrill. If that oh, word, but that we word would never, but we would never use that. Right. But that is what that is. The 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 persona, the theater critic in mm-hmm. me would say like. Oh, my God, I don't know if I could listen to Bernie for four years, even though as a New Englander, I appreciate the passionate. Sure. But, you know, I would love to see those brilliant ideas expressed in a nicer way, which is why I love (laughs) Professor Warren. Right. Like I would love to be tutored by her for four years or Uh eight years. That would be great. Uh, You know, as a Massachusetts person, I appreciate here's another brilliant Democratic egghead, right? I interned for Mike Dukakis, right? right? I was used to John Kerry. Like, I I get this archetype. Bill Bradley. Although I did say to myself years ago, we need to stop nominating this sort of person. I think Elizabeth Warren breaks that, right? Bernie is more the classic Massachusetts egghead than Elizabeth Warren seems to be. But after what we are going through... With the level of embarrassment, mm-hmm. the level of undereducation, mm-hmm. the level of idiocy, mm. don't we want somebody that we can look up to, that our kids can look up to, that we can feel proud of? And if that is somebody who's going to provide me with uh, a, a very educated and digestible breakdown in white supremacy, in black women's mortality, uh, maternal rate, in uh, the student loan debt crisis, in all of these different avenues, in climate change, right? That have become these these issues that are so huge that Donald Trump has made so far from our understanding and basically said that they don't exist. Don't we want a tutor right now? Don't we want somebody that will educate us? Yeah, yeah. And I feel like one of the things in that article about with the the white suburban women was the consistent uh, thought that they are embarrassed for the first time in their lives. They are embarrassed of their country. And as Americans, we have been sold. You want to talk about a bill of goods. Entitlement. We have been sold entitlement. And that is something collectively that maybe not all of us have experienced, not black people. Americans have experienced, not those that have immigrated here have experienced, but there is this idea that we are better, the best. You are sold that from from the moment that you can you can formulate a sentence. The idea that then in your 50s, 60s, these were the women that were in the article, are embarrassed of their country. I think that that says a lot. I think it says a lot, too. And I feel like I, fe- I felt for years that even if you don't entirely feel that you've got to have a fatigue 
of mm. like every time you go to the movies or to a play, mm-hmm. you know, or to dinner, you don't look at your phone for an hour. And then you finally pull your phone out and you're like, what insane breaking news, tweet, policy, something. I'm like, like, you know, your 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 outrage meter is just up and down all mm-hmm. the time. And like, I just want to break from that. Like, even if I don't love the other person, yeah. my my blood pressure will not be going up through the roof. One thing I noticed about the entirety of the discussion that disappointed me, because the gun conversation is extremely important to the country mm-hmm. and extremely mm-hmm. important to black Americans. The NRA is as weak right now as it has been in the last two or three decades. But the Democratic gun conversation has not moved to address that, right? When we talk about this from a standpoint of universal background checks and getting rid of assault weapons, that's all well and good, but that's only going to have a small and tiny impact. And Bernie said, look, none of us have a magic pill, and neither do I. But when we're talking about universal background checks and gun show loopholes, mm-hmm. we're not really talking about stuff that will really make a difference. When we're talking about having fewer handguns on the street, mm-hmm. making it harder to get a handgun, these sorts of things, that which you can do. The Second Amendment does not say anybody, any gun, anywhere, anytime. Are when you, you sure that wasn't about, in the fine print? <laughs> when you start talking about stuff like that, then you are making an actual difference. And mm-hmm. the Democratic Party has been afraid of the NRA since Al Gore took it on and lost. And I feel like now is the time to step up and say, we don't have to be so afraid of the NRA anymore. The boogie monster has been exposed. I think that the reality with Democrats as it pertains to guns and the and the conversation around guns is that we have always been reactive. Mm-hmm. We have never been proactive. Mm-hmm. The NRA has always been proactive and the Republicans have always been proactive in their stance. We have this constitution that says X, Y, and Z. And everything that Democrats have ever offered is always in contrast to that. We begin every conversation about gun rights, uh, about, about gun reform with but. From the New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions, questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that force David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. 
the guns, but all we need are background checks. Only the but le- we oh, need to get rid of the, mag- only the, the magazines. Le- only the left needs to do that. The right doesn't need to say, I'm sorry about all the mass killings. All the, ki- but, all the babies that are but dead. The, the left needs to start by saying, I don't want to take away you and your grandfather's and guns. Anytime you start a negotiation mm-hmm. from behind, mm-hmm. you are losing. Yep. And that is why we have never gotten anywhere in terms of gun reform because we've always come from the posture of the but. Well, we've been afraid of the NRA, and there isn't a countervailing organization on the other side. There's not an organization that's going after the Republican politicians who have the NRA, who are in the pocket of the NRA, who's attacking them and saying, we will take your seat. We will spend millions of dollars to ruin your political career the same way that's happening on the other side. So there's not because we've fight. Because we've been focusing on shame instead of strategy. Well, shame only works if you have a conscience. But there's all, yes, yes. But there's also money in selling guns and bullets. Absolutely. There is no money so, in opposing gun violence. But that's exactly right. So instead of focusing on shaming people and saying, but but a whole classroom of kindergartners were murdered, but a whole classroom of high schoolers were murdered, yes, obviously, that is what should ignite us into action. But it's not. Because at the end of the day, with everything, it is about money. It is about who wins and who loses and who profits off of who loses. Yeah. If we can change that conversation, if we can look at these people and say, you know what, there are more Americans in this country that have been affected by gun violence, whether it's you directly, indirectly, you know somebody, you've heard about somebody, what have you. You organize those people and to your point say, you know what, it's time we run against this person. It's time we fundraise. It's time that we make a collection, a collective pack in our town our congressperson our mm. state representative where do they fall on gun reform right because it matters it matters in rural america it matters in urban america and it's something that we don't strategize on because we think that these people have a conscious and they don't because their consciousness is wrapped up in cash and you can't penetrate that i want to keep paying attention throughout this show to how the candidates how the race is doing dealing dealing with what black voters Mm -hmm. need there was a section on race (laughs) which i don't recall that happening the msnbc debates shout out to my Mm -hmm. friends from msnbc um so some of the issues that we need mentioned were brought up in terms of white supremacy as domestic terrorism, in terms of the racial wealth gap, mm-hmm. in terms of building black home ownership and entrepreneurship. Policing violence, not mentioned. Mm-hmm. The war on drugs, not mentioned, right? Uh, the rise in hate crimes, not mentioned. Mass incarceration, not, not mentioned. mentioned. These things need to be discussed. These are all individual topics, not like, let's talk about race, and here's all these massive topics that squish into that. This debate, as opposed to the MSNBC debate, started with the healthcare discussion, which is a great start. It actually affects every American. Mm-hmm. The second subject was immigration, mm-hmm. which is the Republicans controlling the conversation. Yep. Immigration does not actually impact most Americans' lives, right? When we talk about gun violence, which was the third topic, that affects everyone's life, yep. right? Then race, that is America's original sin. Then climate change, that affects everyone on the planet, right? So immigration is the odd man out who should not really be mentioned in the top six. But Republicans have made it different. But 
there is not yet a sufficient focus on what black and brown people need from these candidates. We are an asterisk, mm-hmm. not a full subject. And in Steve Kornacki's reporting, he talked about one in four voters in this Democratic primary will be black. So mm. you better get focused on what black people need if you want to win. But this they're party. not going to do that, Torre. They're not going to get focused in that in the way that we want them to be focused. And this is the question that we need to ask ourselves. Is it enough to be mentioned? Is it enough to have a shout out? Or do mm. we want more? And I think that as a black community, we're going to need to decide what is enough right enough in this particular moment not necessarily enough ever but the idea that things are mentioned okay great you get an applause that's like if i'm using the rotten tomatoes thing you get one <laughs> tomato right like okay great you're aware it doesn't of the problem. necessarily suck right. but do i want to watch it <laughs> you know Net- wait till it's on netflix oh, exactly <laughs> you know what i'm saying and i can get up and go to the bathroom and hit pause but we can't hit pause on our democracy right now right. and i think that the reality is is that we need to demand what it is that we need to see and we need to see which candidate is not going to be too afraid of the white working class mm. of the white suburban mom mm-hmm. to have conversations that are real and to have conversations that are real that educate them to say you know what Like somebody tweeted me today and said they had posted, a white woman had posted this whole long thing on her Facebook page calling out her friends and her family and saying that you need to recognize systemic racism Mm -hmm. and your part in it and white privilege and all of these things. Mm -hmm. I need a leader, and if that leader is going to happen to be white, is going to actually decide that, you know what, this is an educational process that we all need to go through as a country that we have not been through. And so I'm not going to be afraid to have this conversation because it's very real. Because if we had had this conversation and it had been ongoing, then guess what? Donald Trump wouldn't exist. Mm. He wouldn't have found an inroad, right? right? He wouldn't have been able to galvanize. I think Pete made that point early on, and I wrote that down. It's really smart that Trump does not get within cheating distance of winning if we had not had the economic and racial troubles. He didn't that's say racial, right. but think you know the but economic right. and racial troubles we've been having. So. Right. They love to say, well, are we all racist because we support Trump? I don't know, but you're certainly not anti-racist. So Right. Well, we, what and I forget who said this initially. You have decided that racism is not is not is not a problem. Right. It's not a deal. That is it. It is not a deal breaker for I you. I saw a woman tweet today that she divorced her husband of 35 years because he supported Trump. I think that was what you tweeted. And you said, not all not all heroes wear capes. (laughs) And I said, yes. Amen. Amen. Uh, I mean, you know, yeah. Yeah, dig it. I mean, other other Republicans, you know, you support Romney. I can agree to disagree. Mm -hmm. You know, you support Senator McCain. I can agree to disagree. Mm -hmm. Trump. No, mm -mm, stop. No, there has to be a line in the sand. And at some point in time, we need to stop saying that, oh, well, it's not all Republicans. No, actually, it is. Well, they're not standing up and saying no. And where are the black Republicans to say, hey, do we have to be racist in this appeal? Can we not be racist? Like, well, can you, you not critique we, his racism? We did have Michael Steele okay. and Al Sharpton get together and do a joint press conference combating the fact that Trump decided uh-huh. to go after Al Sharpton, okay, right? Okay. Say he was a crook, this, that, and the other thing. And Michael Steele, Republican, said, this is, this is not who we need to be. 
Okay. He is literally driving us into the ground. And will the Republican Party actually exist post-Trump? And what does that look like? So he is the one. He is the only one that Tim I know Scott? of. Where's Candace? Where's Kanye? Where's the, I mean, you know, where are the black Republicans, Mia Love? So I'm mad that you call Kanye a black Republican. <laughs> How do you know he's not? I don't. <laughs> so, look, <clears throat> all white de- debate night is over. <laughs> Who needs to go home? Every white, mediocre man that was on that stage. It would be easier for you to ask me who should stay. Right. I thought that Sandra Bullock seemed like... Sandra Bullock. Like like the guy at the party who was like, Jesus Christ, dude, we were having a nice conversation. You keep yelling from the other end of the table, some cockamamie idea. Can you leave us alone? We're having an adult conversation over here. Just like, geez, can he can he stop? I need yeah. him, the Gong Show, to come and get him. I Bye. need Marianne Williams swept her, off the stage. And her Apollo <laughs> right? Knight, right? Sandman, Sandman. Uh, Marianne Williamson. God bless her. She is a punchline. <laughs> I honestly, I want to know about her skincare routine, her sage routine, and meditation. But out of the out of the context of that, of living my best spiritual life. <laughs> I need her to step aside. Uh, girlfriend, you need you, it's girlfriend, so, uh, it's you, so you, it's on. so not on. <laughs> so not okay. on. Um, Tim Ryan does not look like he wants to be there. He looks scared. He looks like his body is trying to recede into itself. Rigid, right? He just looked like why? I don't. I don't want to be like like the coach threw him out in the field and like you can do it, kid. Like right? I can't. Or he's being interrogated and he and he doesn't know whether he should snitch or whether he should cop a plea or like what he should do. Like he doesn't know. Right. right Terrifying. Right. I don't uh, want him at anybody's negotiating table with his finger on anybody's oh, red button. When Marianne was like, "I hope you'll call me again." Like, no, no. No, no, don't no. Do that. That's not good. Mm-mm. That's not good. Um, how'd Delaney do? I thought he was at the Republican debate. Was he at this one? <laughs> he's worth sixty-five million dollars. Did you know that? I'm I'm not surprised. And he's been a CEO for forty-five years. <laughs> I can't with him. I can't with him. I don't. I, I don't. Him. I don't want with him. Oh, I don't want with him. If there was anybody else on the stage who we didn't discuss. I did not even remember you. Because <laughs> there's so Let's many. Just, um, for, for the rest of them, blanket, Mariah Carey. I don't know her. I don't know her. I but, don't know her. Um, I think it was a great night for Liz. Great night for her. I think it was a status quo night for Bernie. He, yes. I think Pete did himself proud, but it may not it make may a not, It may not be enough, but I think that he showed out i think he showed out much better than in the first debate i I would love for almost all these people to go away and just let liz and bernie talk it out okay well okay if everybody else see i am in the camp where i would let everyone else go except in this debate except for Buttigieg, warren Sanders. Mm-hmm. Everyone else can walk. So then we're down to three. I love Pete intellectually. In this, in, yeah. I would love to hear him in that conversation. I don't think that he's going to be able to muster enough support to be a serious candidate. But all of I'm the like, money, Touré. I'm, I'm he like, has raised a lot of money. Now, the other thing, when Bernie walked out, I thought, there's the past future of the Democratic Party. Oh, like, which I don't mean as a diss. 
But as what he, would you take he that as? Was the future of the Democratic Party, and he's not anymore. The moment has passed him, and I feel like Elizabeth Warren is wearing that jacket. She uh-huh. is the contemporary Democratic Party, and he was yesterday. He was the man, and I'm sorry we didn't. If we had run this thing in 2017, maybe he Do wins. Do you think but- that his Bernie Bros, his staunch supporters, because right now they're being divided. Right. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. the progressive left camp is being divided by Bernie Warren. Mm-hmm. He goes, do they go with her or do they do what they did in 2016? I don't know. I don't know. You know, they were set up in 2016 to not like Hillary ideologically and in terms of competition. We're not seeing that type of energy at this particular it's moment. Not sort of, yeah. And I did notice. No, there was not any personal attacking in this nobody tried to attack bernie or uh elizabeth warren to make points right mm-hmm. uh bernie did his thing telling other people at the edge of the stage you're wrong you suck. i wrote the bill i wrote the bill <laughs> i wrote the bill <laughs> bernie Ooh. was spicy Ooh. get off my lawn this is get off that my lawn bernie was a get off your lawn moment um don't tell me i wrote the bill I wrote Ooh. The <laughs> okay don't let your bonnet get out of whack <laughs> I want the Liz and Bernie and maybe Kamala and Joe conversation. Like, let's get down to the real big heavyweights. And I'm sorry. I'm leaving out Beto because he takes a pause. We know why we're leaving out Beto. Every second word. Yeah, God bless him. Do you know what Twitter said about him tonight? What did they say? They said they can't wait for him to run for Senate again. Mm. I don't know how many times that I saw that in my feed. People think Beto is great. He will be a great senator. I hope that he becomes. And that is that is a clear that is a clear message of stay in your lane, good sir. I feel like he looks in the mirror with a with a videotape of JFK playing and trying to like, how can I get a JFK essence about me? The way I talk, the way I move, the way I look, which is cool, right? You know, this is about Elizabeth Warren. Kamala Harris, mm-hmm. to a lesser extent, Bernie and Biden. Mm-hmm. I don't think Beto is really going to be there when this is really decided. I don't think Pete is going to be decided. Mm-hmm. I still think that is the big four. And we'll see if anything can overturn that. Do we get nastier tomorrow night? Tonight was civil. Tonight was right? Civil. There was a little, you know, a little, a little spicy, energy, a little yeah. spice. Yeah. But tomorrow night. Do I mean, we get nasty? Does Biden come out of the gate? Does Kamala hold her ground? Does book, you know, like. I think Kamala looks, I want to say, thirsty if she throws a haymaker at somebody and she doesn't need to because she's right. much better known and she's closer to the top. Uh huh. Right? You can't keep doing the same strategy no, every single game. Not a one trick pony. And Biden has been showing that that willingness, more than willingness, to get dirty over the last week mm-hmm. on the trail. So I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to take the fight to Corey. Again, he may not want to take the fight to a woman, right? But if he's trying to verbally attack Corey. But that's like taking the fight to I mean, where's Corey polling? One percent? Right. So why, 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 if I'm Biden, I'm at 32%. Why am I wasting my energy? Maybe because you're showing your mettle, 
right? You're showing that you're tough. Can't attack Kamala because socially that's not going to work. It's not going to look He's good. He's been attacking it's not her in the press. Yeah, but there's something different than him standing over her face to face and saying something like mm-hmm. that. Depending on how you want to do it, you got to do it super carefully, right? He can do it with Corey more easily. I'm s- Joe has not seemed like a leader. He doesn't look like he's leading the pack in the way Mm-mm. that he's attacking no. people on the trail. He looks like he's being pulled along. Right. So It's the polls are leading him and him not leading in the polls. Right. That's, to me, how he looks. I mean, look, you want, whether you're a black or white candidate, you want to take away Joe's support Correct. among African Americans. Yeah. Because i got to imagine it's soft because they are only supporting him because of name recognition, mm-hmm. and he was standing beside Barack for eight mm-hmm. years. But do they really believe in Joe Biden? I don't think so. And I think Kamala saw that opening and went for it. I think Corey's going to see that opening and maybe go for it. Others may see that opening and go for it. So we'll see. If I were him, if I were Biden, the last thing I'll say about him is that I would go after Kamala and her flip-flopping. I, I don't know if that's a safe space for him to go to uh, no. because people can call him out on his, but it is something that she has done on healthcare that. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities. Healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country. Immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun. And candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. He could go after in a very real way that isn't about character. It's about where do you stand? Because right. I've always, whether or not I've ever, whether or not my record has fallen on the right side of history, I've always stood firm. That would be my talking point for Joe Biden. I would hope that we see more of what we saw tonight in terms of a presentation of ideas mm-hmm. and not a sort of interpersonal sniping, which is not what Kamala did no. in her attack. No. But just, I don't want to devolve. Excuse me, the way that the Republican debates devolved last time fairly quickly. Oh, you mean you don't want to measure your hands? No, (laughs) I don't want a food fight. I want to talk about how people are going to put food on on the the table. table. Come on. All right. This is Democracy-ish. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody-Mills. And you can follow me, Torre, on Twitter, at Torre, and on Instagram, at Torre Show. You can follow me, Danielle Moody-Mills, at D2Cents, D-E-E-T-W-O-C-E-N-T-S, on Twitter and Instagram. And for more, go to DCPOfficial.com. 
We'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow. To talk about yet another Democratic debate. Mm-hmm. Get some sleep. <laughs>